I'm Pat McKay, and this is Funding the Future of Healthcare, a podcast that dives into healthcare technology and the process that allows it to scale and thrive so it can bring quality care to more people more efficiently. We're well into 2021. Our COVID-19 saga continues, but vaccines are rolling out at a decent clip. There is hope even as the effects of the pandemic continue uh, to stick with us in, in, in many places, and, and some concerns continue to linger about our health. But this is a particularly apt time to talk about companies using technology to help us better manage our health. So we'll have one such company on the show here again. Please welcome our guests, Virgil Bretz from Macro Health and Dave Kariakis from Providence Ventures. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Pat. Hey, thanks, Pat. Great to be here with you too, Dave. Um, I just want to shout out that I've enjoyed the podcast series and the episode last month with uh, Aaron Martin and Graham Gardner from Kairos. That, that had a lot of takeaway value for me. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love, love, love hearing that. It's fun. It's, it's been really fun to make for sure. Um, we, get some, we get some incredibly smart people and, and we record them and good things sometimes happen around me. <laughs> Virgil Bretz is co-founder and the CEO of MacroHealth, a healthcare fintech company. He has more than 25 years of entrepreneurial and executive experience in the American and international health insurance and technology industry. Previously, Virgil served as the co-founder and CEO of Miami-based Hygieia Corporation for 12 years, which won multiple awards for industry service leadership and innovative IT development before being acquired by United Health International. He also served as Senior Vice President of Strategic Development for United Health International, where he was responsible for leading many non-U.S.-based health insurance businesses, as well as developing international strategy and acquisition opportunities. Virgil has served on the boards of international healthcare companies based in the USA, Canada, Portugal, India, and the Philippines, and often speaks on topics related to U.S. and international health matters. And you are an executive education graduate of the Harvard Business School. Impressive bio and travel itinerary, Virgil. If you stick pins in a world map for all the places your profession has taken, you'd be hard to see any any map, I think. Yeah, well, my first company was focused on helping international health insurers that had risks in the United States. So our clients were insurance companies with locations like all over the world. So I can, I can lay claim to seeing airports and conference rooms in the back of taxis in some of the most beautiful cities in the world. And then once in a while, we, we'd get outside. It's it's a wonderful way to see to see the globe, you know, in in the hallways of of airports, and yeah. in, in waiting areas. Um, uh, let's let's hear a little bit about Macro Health. Um, it you know, in your bio, obviously, I described it as a healthcare fintech. What does that What does that mean exactly? Well, um, healthcare IT it's a it's a very hot investment category now, and I'd say a very uh, exciting entrepreneurial category, and and for good reason. Like we're we're in a period of rapidly changing regulations and technology retooling. And people always sort of half joke, that, you know, half joke that healthcare IT is 10 years behind everyone else, which isn't really a bad thing when you're caring for people's lives uh, and you're in life and death situations every day. But healthcare IT is an exciting place right now uh, because you've got more providers, IDNs, insurers, and most importantly, caregivers and patients adopting virtual care, on, online and mobile tools, and, uh, and they expect the kind of experiences that behind the scenes are enabled by cloud-based IT infrastructure. So healthcare IT is a very busy space right now, but it's also a very large space addressing 
many different types of problems. You got pop health, clinical ops, EHRs, virtual health, SDOH, and so forth. And our team at Macro Health, like we're, we're quite focused on the economic or financial side of healthcare. So we're focused on helping our clients understand and navigate the confusing and, and often highly complicated world of healthcare pricing. And so our clients today are health plans, provider-sponsored health plans, and medical provider networks. And we're focusing on optimizing the buying and selling of healthcare at scale. So we clarify that in a phrase, we're a healthcare fintech company. You have some very interesting language on your on your website. It says, um, stop reactively paying claims, start proactively purchasing healthcare, which is related to what you're just talking about here, you know, the being being a fintech and being focused on price. So is that language then an accurate distillation of what macro health actually does? Uh, it, it is. I mean, I guess it's a little abstract, but and, and some of the challenge in the particular field that I'm in is trying to make that uh, make what we do more concrete. And so you know, I, I guess uh, you can imagine you're out, you're out with your uh, with a new friend and they say, like, you know, hey, Virgil, what do you do? <laughs> and uh, and if they're a prospective acquaintance, I'll keep it simple and I'll say, well, well I work at a healthcare fintech company. And sometimes that's enough. But if they're you know, a prospective acquaintance, it's going to turn into a friend or really just nosy. They might say like, yeah, but what do you do? And then I'll get into a longer description of how we're in the business of helping clients manage healthcare prices, which ultimately lowers the cost of healthcare and makes it more affordable. And I'll also often share an analogy. It's uh, and, and comparing it to another industry. It's like, you know, you know, you're flying on an airplane, or at least you know, back before COVID, when people were flying on airplanes, and and you're sitting there on the plane, and you just know that the person sitting right next to you, like going from the same place and then going to the same place as you, you just know that they paid a different price for that seat than you did, and when you get to your destination and you check into that hotel, you just know and accept that the person in the next hotel room paid a different price than you did. And what a lot of people might not realize is that the same thing happens in healthcare. You can be at the same facility, the same room, the same diagnosis, the same procedure, the same day, and different people might pay different prices. Uh, you know, there's been examples uh, where, where, like you read about in the New York Times, where huge variations say in COVID test prices. And so every day, we and the people in our industry, like we're accustomed to these huge variations in healthcare prices. And, and as a result, the healthcare markets can be super inefficient. And that enables a lot of waste that ultimately is like harmful for people, it's harmful for payers, and it's harmful for our society. And so our clients count on us to help them navigate this confusing world of healthcare prices for them at scale. We'll talk more about that in a moment. I really want to get Dave Kiriakis involved here. Um, Dave, Thanks again for, for, for being with us today. You've now been a partner at Providence Ventures for over two years, helping to lead many of their investment activities. Prior to joining Providence, you were at River City's Capital Fund, helping to support and drive all functions of their healthcare investment practice. Over your career, you have been able to capture early success investing in medical devices and software, most recently the acquisition of Varen Medical by Olympus, as well as successful outcomes for advanced practice strategies and tissue tech. 
You're also active in the investment community, most recently having served as president and board member of MidAmerica Health Investors Network, where you represented roughly 60 active healthcare funds. You graduated from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business and received your MBA with a concentration in finance from Xavier Williams College of Business. Um, thanks again, Dave. Yeah, thank you, Pat. It's good to be back with you, and I'm really excited. I uh, had the opportunity to share the time with Virgil and, and the macro health story here. Yeah, so let's uh, let's let's hear a little bit about that. I would love to 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 know how you and Providence got involved with macro health and our esteemed guest Virgil Bretz. I had heard that when you first met Virgil, he was brand new to Seattle, and you'd only actually been here a little while yourself. Is 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 that correct? Yeah, that's that is, and I I might get Virgil in trouble here a little bit, but I think we both had our share of traumatic experiences making our cross country moves. Uh, Virgil, I know, arrived with his four kids just in time not to miss an entire Seattle winter. Uh, while I showed up in January with a, a one-year-old and a wife that was seven months pregnant. Yeah, uh, tough, tough if, one. Yeah, as if that wasn't enough. There was a, a two-week snowstorm for the first time in over a decade in, in Seattle. So I think this is obvious, uh, obviously a testament to our better halves, but happy to report that we're all still here in Seattle and uh, have begun to settle in. Yeah, I wasn't very I wasn't very popular in my house that particular month either, David. Seattle winners do that to, to everybody, even people who've been here for a while. But to your original question, uh, despite being 20 minutes from one another, we were actually introduced by our good friends at Triple Tree. Uh, they had just invested in the business and asked if we would be interested in, in learning more. And uh, that immediately lent this specific opportunity a great deal of credibility as they are some of the best investors in, in our space. So Virgil, um, what was your impression of, of Seattle and then even Providence Ventures, say, you know, the first time you, 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 you met, the first time you, you went, you know, downtown and, and hung, out with, uh, hung out with those guys, hung out with those folks, I should say. It was actually pretty funny. I, I lived on the East Coast for most of my life. And, and as Dave mentioned, I moved out to Seattle, the Seattle area near the end of 2018. And so it's kind of funny, like, ties are not optional on the West Coast. You simply aren't allowed to wear them. <laughs> and so I remember walking into uh, the Providence Ventures office in, in downtown Seattle. This is back in like December of 2019. And I'd only been there for about a year and I'm still trying to figure out the mentality of the place. And, and so um, I, I walk into, you know, quote, Providence Ventures in this 40 story bank tower in downtown Seattle. And I show up in my jeans and sneakers, but you know, I throw on a sports jacket just in case. Just, you know, just to make sure I could uh, walk in with a little bit of, of credibility. And I get in there and these guys are all so casual. I mean, I didn't check under the desk. They might have had flip flops on or, or, or something like that. And uh, and so being in there, like our very first meeting was a working lunch and and they're casual. And also, you know, they're a mission based organization. So they, they bring in Jimmy John sandwiches for lunch, which I love. But maybe back to the casual ethos in Seattle, like they weren't trying to blow me away at a steakhouse. <laughs> um, and so yeah, we've since had a nice celebratory meal afterwards. So I, I do feel the love. But walking in, um, I meet David Kariakis and just immediately had the impression that David felt like he was there to help. Like he just has this helpful demeanor to him and, and he's, he's a solution oriented guy. And uh, it just, he was immediately, you could see him, you could see the hamster turning, just immediately thinking about how Providence the system could be helpful for what our team was trying to do. Yeah, that's great. It's a good, it's a 
It's a good story. It sounds very familiar having been in a, <clears throat> having spent the last 11 years living in Seattle. It's got, it's definitely got its own casual vibe. I love it. So Dave, what got you, uh, what got you fired up about, about macro health? Um, what about the company was in, intriguing to you and your investment team? Was it, is it about the problem that, that they're solving? Is it about their 25 years of experience? Is it, is it, is it the leadership? Like what, what draws an investor to a company like MacroHealth? Yeah, that's easy. Uh, we individually see hundreds of different opportunities a year, but there is always one or two of them that you know from the beginning is a special one, uh, one that you should pay a great deal of attention to. Great entrepreneurs and transformational leaders are what make great investors. This is one of the best management teams I've had the opportunity to work with, and Virgil, one of the best leaders. Virgil is rare in that he is incredibly intelligent, intensely competitive, yet has the ability to communicate a complex vision in the simplest and most direct and digestible form, paired with a level of humility that you just don't see from someone with the kind of success he's had. So that was obvious. From there, the story made complete sense, and it was almost a question of why hasn't anyone thought of it like this, or what are we missing? Uh, and then our leadership teams immediately got it, and it became a, a critical part of our strategy in, in multiple areas. So, Virgil, then a, a, you know, a, a testament to to what Dave's talking about, and and what you've been able to accomplish, and what Macro Health's been able to accomplish. Um, you successfully raised forty one million dollars in a, in what you're calling a, a growth equity phase, and and then after that, you weren't you weren't really even looking for more funding. Um, and then Providence Ventures came on your radar. What what happened after that? This is right around the time COVID nineteen hit, right? Yeah. First of all, uh, David, thanks for the nice comments. The humility hairs on the back of my neck are like standing up. So uh, I, that's a lot to live up to. But um, but yeah, you know, it's 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 a year ago now, and um, the full force of the pandemic was just starting to hit. And, uh, and, and all the amazing people at Providence, they were just like heads down, focusing on the situation that they had in front of them. And just like helping to really like save and care for our community. And so we were in early discussions uh, with each other, like just David and myself and, and our teams. Uh, but we just, everybody agreed, like, this is the time to just put the brakes on this and we can always pick up the discussion later. And um, I guess there was enough interest in what we were doing from the investor community that we, we did end up effectively raising the uh, and, and closing the round that we had intended to, uh, to to close in the middle of the pandemic. So I guess that was a nice validation of the work and the problems that we were trying to, to solve. Uh, but, but Providence uh, as an organization and then Providence Ventures in particular, like they really are seen by the healthcare industry as thought leaders. And for us, aside from working with like a really talented team at, at Providence Ventures, um, it was also really important for, for us and for our, our team and our story and our mission to have the voice of the provider early and, and on our team. And, and finally, of course, like we just really like the people. And so even though we were fully subscribed for this first outside capital round, uh, we, we made additional room for Providence Ventures. It was, it was uh, one of the best decisions that, that we made. I like hearing that you guys are very keen to 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 work with each other. And then, so Dave, what about from your side? Uh, what was it like getting involved with a company that you're ex excited about, clearly, only to have COVID nineteen kind of come swooping in and just completely, you know, 
clear the table. Thanks, Virgil, for for those comments. I I'll start by just saying maybe a, a little bit more about Providence's reaction because I think it, it it does deserve quite a bit of credit. So since being founded by the Sisters of Providence in the 1850s, and and then the same for the Sisters of Saint Joseph in the early 1900s. Other than the flu in 1918, the way care has been delivered for all that time just dramatically changed overnight. And additionally, Providence was the first to care for a COVID-positive patient in January before the surge in, in March. And so I think we collectively benefited from the early experience, but the system has just been put under tremendous pressure for that much time. We had to shut down all of our hospitals and prepare for a surge that was going to overwhelm our regions and, and has... Uh, various subsequent surges. And as was the case with many businesses during that time, ours was no different. Revenue has essentially stopped coming in and spending shot up in order to prepare. So fortunately for all of us, the leadership at Providence didn't waver. Our caregivers didn't even blink and they ran head on into the fire. And I think we've all benefited greatly from that. For macro health, that they build a, a business that is dependent on care being transacted. And so Hospital volumes dramatically dropped and the number of lives covered by employers dropped dramatically as the unemployment rate spiked. So it, it did have an impact on the business while we were evaluating it and, and working with Virgil, but we had faith that those would come back and they have. And uh, what ultimately sold us was seeing Virgil's incredible leadership skills during these times of stress. And that, gave, that lent a lot of confidence and made my job a lot easier in, in selling the the strength of this investment in this team. Yeah, thanks, Dave. No, I've talked to a few of your your partners at at Providence Ventures, and it's a, it's amazing the uh, the amount of focus that you've all been able to kind of that you all had when 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 this hit because it you know obviously the entire globe was reeling from it, and I'm just always impressed to hear the um, the sort of the stability and sort of the focus and just the, the willingness to to kind of you know be flexible. And uh, and and figure it figure it out you know a whole new thing out from from the ground up when 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 COVID hit so very impressive Virgil can you talk about some specific contributions um, that have come from working with Providence Ventures as a as a strategic partner are there have there been things like literal pieces of your of your of your business um, that have uh, that have been been helped by uh, having a partner like them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Providence Ventures started adding value like right away. And I mean, months before they even became investors. So like before we even got started, David immediately connected us with thought leaders throughout the Providence organization, like really bringing those resources uh, to, to us to talk and learn and validate like both ways, but to talk and learn and validate the problems and the solutions that, that we're working on. And in addition to that, I mean, just David and the Providence Ventures team, like led by Aaron Martin, who's also the head of digital strategy for Providence, they just they have so much experience with healthcare SaaS and, and platforms as, as a service. And so as we're building out and scaling, David's provided us with like so many ideas and guidance for how to think about key SaaS metrics. Um, he's also provided us with a lot of like good outside feedback because sometimes you're, like, you're in the business and it really it's it's great to have people who have skin in the game but outside the business to to look in and he really gave us you know, as an example feedback to help focus us on our sales velocity so our pitch to health plans is like it's pretty straightforward like once we have data from a prospective health plan that we can analyze and apply our solutions to then we can show how our platform lowers healthcare costs and, and medical network connection costs. So 
with David, we were discussing how we can speed and improve how we gather and present this data. Prop Ventures is a corporate venture capital fund uh, sponsored by a health system. And so for us, like that's, that's an interesting balance of them looking to advance the interests of their not-for-profit mission, which is obviously like tremendously important for the community that we live in here in the Pacific Northwest, but they're also business-minded and appreciate how margin is the fuel for a mission. And so they understand the business of healthcare. And, and so that, that comes through every day when we're, we're working together with them. And as we're working with David in particular, like I've just, I've, I've learned that he's always at hand to enthusiastically help. And, and just uh, David, you've, you've become a trusted partner for me and, and for all of us. Thank you, Virgil. Yeah, David, I'd love, I want to hear about it from your side too. I'd, I'd love to hear what it's like to work with Virgil and his team at Macro Health. Like, you know, getting down into the nitty gritty, what, 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 are, what are your meetings like? You know, what, what kind of topics do you cover? Do you ever show up on a Zoom call with, with your cat filter stuck or, and then, and then, and then you got to kind of do a round of, of, you know, sorting things out? Yeah, no, no, uh, no cat filter yet. Uh, but I appreciate the idea uh, on that. I, I think it would go over well, but I, I really enjoy working with Virgil. I think he has an incredible command of, of the meetings and the questions to be asked. He, he is able to, to distill what is the appropriate question to be asking and, and what is critical uh, at this point in time and, and into the future. He always comes overly prepared and he leverages the, the diverse experiences around the table and quickly gets everyone to perform at their highest level. So I love it. I think it's, it is always great to, to learn from him and, and the people around the table and the investors and board members are no different here. So where we try to be helpful is to offer the voice of the customer and, and an innovator, a large innovative system, but we're along for the ride and, and enjoying it uh, being alongside Virgil. Well, and I just got to interject here too, just to quickly say that it's my job uh, is uh, might be made to look a lot easier because I'm just surrounded by such an incredibly talented group of people. Like you know, there's there's David, but then the rest of our board, and and especially just want to give so much credit to to my colleagues and my team that I get to work with every day. I mean, that they they really they really make it look easy. It's it's I'm, I'm standing on their shoulders. Yeah, I'm. I'm also humbled to be part of uh, such a remarkable board and, and team, uh, and to to continue to get the invites to the meetings. <laughs> so, Dave, you mentioned Providence's overall the, the organization's focus on 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 the customer, on on on, on the consumer. Virgil, uh, people today are being urged to take uh, a proactive role in their health uh, versus being being just more reactive about that. Um, it, it feels like that's, that's just been a trend that's been evolving here over the last, uh, you know, several years. Um, does what you're doing with payment strategies sort of coincide with this, with this trend, with this sentiment, or, or is that just kind of a coincidence? Well, I, I mentioned earlier that our clients today, at least, are health plans, provider-sponsored health plans, and medical provider networks. But Behind these company categories are, are, are people you know, working in these organizations. And, and these are really important people who work behind the scenes in healthcare. So behind the amazing caregivers that are taking care of us every day are the people who help manage the financing of healthcare. And these are the people who are help they, they help determine the prices and which payers to do business with, or if they're working in a health plan, uh, the person might be choosing which health providers to do business with. And so these people have titles like CFO or head of managed care contracting or network manager or VP of claims. 
But internally at Macro Health, at least, we refer to these people as healthcare market makers. You know, these are these are the people that are responsible for helping to buy and sell billions, trillions of dollars in healthcare services. And today, the state of the data and the tools that these healthcare market makers use to do their work, to optimize their work, it's they're just incredibly outdated. More often than not, they're only leveraging their own data instead of, of you know, sort of macro data. Uh, and, and their tool is more often than not, it's Excel. And this isn't their fault. This is all, this is all that was available. So healthcare payers are forced to develop ways to reduce healthcare claims costs in, in a reactive way. And they need better and more uh, data and tools to be able to more strategically, more proactively purchase the hundreds of millions or the billions of dollars in healthcare that, that they might be individually responsible for. But all of this work to leverage data and the software tools and the relationships between the payers and the providers and the provider networks, it ultimately needs to make its way to where care is given and especially to the patients who are ultimately customers or consumers of healthcare. So people like, you know, even each of us here on this call as consumers, like we need to have easy to use data and tools so that we can be more informed buyers of healthcare. We need clean data in our hands at the, at the point that we need it that can tell us which providers we have access to, if they're appropriate for me or my family situation right now, and importantly, like how much the treatment will cost. And only with this information are we going to be truly uh, capable of being proactive advocates of our own healthcare as, as consumers. And, and, and that's happening now in, uh, in, in really new and incredible ways enabled by some of the technologies in front of us. And so uh, it's, it's not a coincidence, like the, the idea of people being able to take a more proactive role and the rise of consumerism and healthcare that people have been talking about for the last decade it's really starting to, to, to uh, gain speed right now because of all of this. Dave, are you seeing a big shift in sentiment with how people approach all aspects of their healthcare? We've seen this shift coming for years now. Uh, it certainly was accelerated by uh, the implications of COVID, but the consumer is front and center in everything we do at Providence. Five years ago and, and even two years ago, there was no consumer in healthcare. There was simply providers, payers, and patients. Uh, I think Providence was incredibly fortunate to be sitting in here in, in Seattle, specifically the home of disruption, uh, and have the leadership of Ron Hockman and Aaron Martin and others that have, have been seeing this coming for some time. Uh, now it's clear, it's obvious, health systems have competitors coming at them from every angle. Uh, and if you don't have a strong brand or you're not able to address a consumer's needs, you're either going out of business or only seeing them as a result of a traumatic event, some sort of car accident or or some need for a, an emergency uh, room visit, which may ultimately end up leading you out of business uh, nonetheless. So yeah, it absolutely has been a, a strong shift um, accelerated in the past year. So on that, you're talking about data, you're talking about analytics, the ability to save, to save you know, to help companies save money are are you uh uh are you by chance a uh a, a coupon clipper um have you ever bought anything that is not uh, on sale <laughs> that's funny uh, okay I, I i've used some virtual coupons for sure i can't say i've, I've pulled out the scissors and clipped any but um but I, I can't say like i've never purchased a full price pair of jeans in my life and my family is definitely wired on the cost conscious side but um but you know, while we're aware of data and tools to help us navigate pricing in like air travel or hotel bookings like I manage, 
know, healthcare market makers require tons of data to calibrate and make sure that they're optimizing their healthcare dollars for their unique member populations. You know, like each population is unique, like a fingerprint, like different age, age mixes, health status, geographical locations, coverage variables, and so forth. And so they've got to be able to leverage like first party internal data, second party counterparty data, and third party data and pull all that together to be able to run the analytics they need to make sure that they're optimizing their healthcare spending, that they're, they're spending that money that they've been entrusted with by, you know, by those downstream employer groups or the government or individuals that are entrusting them to make sure that they're spending that wisely. They, they, need, a ton, they need a ton of data. And, and that's, that's just starting to be possible and, coming and, and come together now. So as I mentioned earlier in your bio, Virgil, you've spent a lot of your career traveling specifically for professional purposes and, and, you know, presumably exposing yourself to incredibly different healthcare and business cultures. So just in relation to what we're talking about here, you know, with just uh, the benefits of, of, of data and, and, and managing it, you know, for, for better outcomes, what are you seeing globally in healthcare? Um, maybe especially in regards to innovations that rely on, on data. Uh, I think that America really is in many ways at the forefront when it comes to innovation and, and managing healthcare data in particular. I mean, uh, having spoken at, at in many different settings uh, about healthcare, but in particular about U.S. healthcare, uh, I often say uh, America has the greatest healthcare system in the world, dot, dot, dot if you have health insurance coverage. And so, you know, we've got, we've got world-leading schools that train incredibly talented physicians and other caregivers. We have scientists and engineers invent, inventing amazing technologies, machines, life-saving pharmaceuticals. Like they're inventing molecules for, for gosh sake. So they're just doing these incredible things, but we're also all aware that we've got some incredible inequities in our healthcare system and waste. I'll give an example, like here's a global perspective that's absolutely mind boggling, like good or bad. So in, in 2019, the U.S. healthcare system cost or, or spent, you know, depending on which side of that you're on, 3.8 trillion, like with the T dollars. And so you know, in healthcare circles, that's a, a well-known number. And if you look globally, you know, if you look at the entire, you know, like the GDP of planet Earth, it's like $88 trillion in global GDP. And so what that means is like one out of every $23 worth of production on earth went to providing Americans with healthcare. And you've got, you know, almost 8 billion people in the world, the United States population is like 4% of the world's population. And this is just what we're spending on healthcare. So there's, there's you know, it's, there's, that's a big statement in itself to unpack, but I guess, looking at it from you know uh, an optim uh, an optimistic or an entrepreneurial perspective or as an investor in entrepreneurs you can see why there's so many opportunities to drive change and make a difference in american healthcare right yeah i mean efficiency obviously is a huge deal and and, and you know and, and continuing to innovate with how we how we use data and and how we use analytics and then and then being able to sort of spread it out to more people i mean it's a it's it's a ton of money, as, as you say, you'd like to see more people benefit from it. Pat, that's exactly right. How can we, I mean, the, 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 the funding is there, right? So how can we use that more wisely for, for our communities, for our industry, for our society? And, 
and the knowledge is there. We just have to put it to work together. So I do like to, you know, there's always a part in this podcast where I like to just think about the people listening who would love to be in your shoes, Virgil, or in your shoes, David, you know, people who want to get involved with, uh, with, with, with startups and healthcare tech companies uh, that are just trying to get off the ground. So Dave, I'll start with you. Do you think, um, what do you think a new entrepreneur um, might learn from a, a leader like Virgil and, and, and the team at Macro Health? I think the learnings are endless. Most importantly though, it's, it's communication and it's being able to distill a complex vision or idea, something that's transformational into a, a manner that's digestible by, for all of your employees or all people that you're working with, making sure that that knowledge is able to be transferable to others who are just right off the street can really be what helps accelerate growth or helps a business scale. I think too often communication suffers and the ideas and passion aren't transferable to others within the group. And and so that I think is a critical learning here that, that people can have in working with Virgil and his team. I appreciate it. And Virgil, what about you? What what advice would you give to somebody who 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 is an entrepreneur who or who wants to be a part of of healthcare tech and 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 sort of build something from the ground up? What would you say to them? Well, I think generically, like aside from healthcare, just for for any entrepreneur, like number one is just focus on the team and the people you get to work with shoulder to shoulder every day and on the culture of that team. So that's, that's sort of a, a generic blanket statement, but with respect to like healthcare specifically, like there are millions of people and hundreds of thousands of businesses in healthcare. So healthcare is really more like a continent than a country. Um, and, and there are just so many challenges in healthcare. So I guess I would say connect, connect the mission of what you're trying to do with improving healthcare. Like what, what problem are you trying to solve? I mean, American healthcare is simultaneously amazing in so many dimensions, as we mentioned, and yet there's so many opportunities to improve and make a difference. And, and we need more great entrepreneurs in terms of like breaking into digital health in particular, I guess it's like really dig in to understand the details of the space that you're interested in. Like what's the current state of the software of the digital tools or the data that's being employed to solve the problem that you're interested in? What's the state of those things right now? And how will you make that better? So last question here for, for, for both of you. And, and thanks for sticking with me. This has been a, um, just an incredibly fun conversation. Virgil, tell us what's next for Macro Health. Um, what's the plan, you know, as, as we hopefully sort of move into a new chapter, a post-COVID chapter of living? Um, where do you want to be in three years? Oh, like everybody else, I cannot wait for the post-COVID chapter of, of living. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we've got... We've got the the corporate investment objectives that we like to hit that you that anyone would imagine like growth rates and performance metrics and client metrics and, and so forth, of course. But I think standing back from the financials, you know, three years from now, we'd like to know that we did our part to create a community of our healthcare industry's market makers, like the people behind the caregivers who help make sure that the resourcing and funding of healthcare runs efficiently and that they've got the tools and the data to make sure that together we're spending our nation's healthcare dollars as wisely as possible. If we can if we can do our part in contributing to that, that would be a great mission. Dave, um, where will you focus your energy in your partnership with Macro Health over the next uh, few years? I'll endeavor to uh, always be available and helpful to Virgil. But I, I, at this point in time, I think in, in looking forward, 
Uh, as Virgil pointed out earlier, that the customer base is predominantly payers. And I think there's plenty of opportunity to attack that. Uh, and this will be a, a really successful business in, in operating in that space. But we're asking ourselves, why not providers? How can this solution be flipped to help the increasing number of providers going at risk, Providence really being one of them, who no longer can survive strictly in a fee-for-service market? And I think macro health is a critical part of that and a critical part of Providence's strategy. And, and Providence is a critical part of macro health strategy. Uh, that, that, that's what I love about Dave. He, he's like always thinking ahead and, uh, and again, bringing that voice of, of the provider and, and the healthcare systems to the table. That, that's awesome, Dave. Thanks, Virgil. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, Dave Kariakis with Providence Ventures and Virgil Bretz from Macro Health. Hey, thank you, Pat. Thanks for highlighting the story and, and, uh, and taking the time with us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for, for inviting me to be here with you guys today. That's the conclusion of this episode of Funding the Future of Healthcare. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show or want to let us know about your own experience with the COVID-19 pandemic, please do so. Check out the Prov Innovation channel on Medium and leave your thoughts or follow Providence Ventures on Twitter. Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking again.